Hello there, and welcome. I'm Derek. And I'm Harry. And we are the hosts of the Beskar Brothers Podcast. Today is going to be a full-length episode where we will be going over the first ever Star Wars movie that came out on May 25th, 1977, Star Wars A New Hope. Once again, we hope to help you guys understand Star Wars a little bit more and be able to appreciate Star Wars as much as we do. But first, let's go over some Star Wars quick facts to get started. Okay, so for today's Star Wars Quick Facts, we're going to be going over quick facts for this episode, um, A New Hope, or Star Wars A New Hope, or Episode 4 A New Hope. Um, But yeah, so Harry, real quick, did you ever, before today, did you know that the first Star Wars movie, or A New Hope, almost caused an actual, like, war? Honestly, I had no clue. So yeah, so to create the the planet of Tatooine that they were on. Um, um, George Lucas set up a set in Tunisia, um, which um, bordered Libya. Mm -hmm. And it was right near the border. um, And they were just filming there, you know, in Tunisia, in the desert. Like, it was seriously hot. um, And it was seriously a desert uh, where they were filming. Um, and at the time, uh, Libya was ruled by the dictator, dictator Muammar Gaddafi. Um, and apparently, the Tunisian government received um, some interesting communication from Libya saying that if they didn't move their military vehicle from the Libyan border, they were going to attack. Um, but that, that military vehicle wasn't a military vehicle. Um, it was actually the Jawas Sandcrawler movie prop. Um, and then, um, you know, so Lib- or Tunisia said, hey, George Lucas, can you move your Sandcrawler? It's kind of about to start an international incident. That's so crazy. Yeah. Who would have thought? Someone right? Like that would have actually Isn't started a war. Star yeah. Wars would have started an actual war. Star Wars would have started a Sand Wars, yeah. Yeah, crazy stuff. But yeah, that is. Uh, and something that I think is very interesting. Um, so, Derek, did you know that Chewbacca's voice is a mixture of a badger, a lion, a seal, and a walrus? I knew it was a mixture of animal voices, but I didn't know it was those exactly. Yeah, and like, I think it's very interesting that it's those four animals in particular. Because, <clears throat> you know, when a Wookiee growls, it kind of sounds. Um, you know, like if you think about it, it sounds like a mixture of all four of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's not just like, you know, an angry bear going around, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's someone who maybe looks like a bear. Obviously a Wookiee looks, you know, at least in my opinion, looks like a bear, but it doesn't sound like a bear. If exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But well, what's funny is, um, Chewbacca also didn't have articulated lips you know, when they're, when they're making, you know, when they've made Star Wars. And so you basically open and close his mouth. Yeah. So anybody, honestly, that voice right there with the, (laughs) I'm doing my best there folks. But yeah, the fact that it was a mixture of those four animals to me, was just very interesting. I could tell like the walrus and like the lion, but not the badger or the seal. Yeah. The sound effects department of Star Wars, um, and especially, obviously, the first Star Wars, because that's where they had to invent everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the sound effects, like, went crazy. Like, 
you think about Darth Vader's voice that they had to create, yeah. uh, blasters, you know, the the sound of the Death Star going off, you know, all of those sounds were or lightsabers. Yeah, even. lightsabers for sure. Um, all of those sounds weren't in existence before, um, and it was it was new territory, and so they were seriously geniuses to figure out anything. Um, and especially, you know, Chewbacca's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so iconic now. Like, you know, oh, yeah, that's Chewbacca, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you listen to it. But, yeah. Exactly. It was actually my text tone for probably a good year and a half. Whenever I get a text, it'd just be Chewbacca going off. And yeah. all my friends would be like, yep, that's Harry's phone. Not even going to lie, Harry. I think your text tone for me right now is it's either R2-D2 or Chewbacca, so yeah, <laughs> or Yoda. I can't remember one of the others, but gotcha. all of my text tones are Star Wars and like, don't tell my wife this, but she's Darth Vader's voice <laughs> <laughs> no whenever way. she calls me. That's awesome. But yeah, um, no, you know, no offense. No, I'm not trying to say like she's oh, you know sure. a bad guy or whatever, but it's just, you know, one thing that is very iconic. Oh, absolutely. And, you know it's important to know who's calling you, especially when it's your wife. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so Harry, next, next, uh, quick fact. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that Sir Alec Guinness who played Obi-Wan yeah. did not like star Wars at all? You know, when you say that, like, I mean, it comes as a little surprise, but honestly not really at the same time. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So uh, Sir Alec Guinness, um, was used to playing, uh, Shakespeare, uh, some of like the more prestigious um, scholarly scholar yeah scholarly um, um, you know plays roles. and roles and things like that um, and so when George Lucas came and said hey come be Obi-Wan he's like okay um, and he just didn't like the role um, he apparently wrote a letter to um, his friends and where he complained that said um, that new, quote, new rubbish dialogue reaches me every other day on wages of pink paper. And none of it makes none of it makes my character clear or even bearable. <laughs> and so he did not like the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, man. Which is so funny because like, like to some you know, he is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, when he, when somebody would see him, um, he would be recognized as Obi-Wan Kenobi, not as, you know, Hamlet or Macbeth or whatever he played in Shakespeare. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's pretty funny. But yeah. yeah. Most people you see in the Star Wars, you know, world who've played, you know, in whatever role it was, even if it was a minor role, they're usually known for that Star Wars role that they yeah. played. Yeah. And but yeah, it's it's incredible how he just didn't like it, uh-huh. uh, you know. I, and who would like it if you were, you know, living on Tatooine for <laughs> however many years, right? Yeah, drinking blue milk and stuff. Drinking like Bantha milk, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so and also real quick, uh, now that I said Tatooine, um, did you know that Tatooine is never mentioned? Yeah, it's never mentioned. Yeah, on I, in the first movie, in, yeah, in uh, A New Hope. Like it's only mentioned. Its first mention is um, Empire Strikes Back. It Luke says it like, "I'll meet you on the rendezvous point on Tatooine. Tatooine," or he says Tatooine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, t- Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, so that's the first time that that Tatooine is ever mentioned. And so, mm-hmm. 
imagine going to the theaters and like, oh, wow, the next movie is going to start on a new planet, Tatooine, you know? And then they go back and (laughs) it opens and he's like, wait a second. This is is the same planet. (laughs) This looks too familiar. Yeah. I, I wonder if George Lucas was planning on, you know, bringing in a new planet, and then he's like, "No, nah, nah, let's just good. go back home." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that concludes our Star Wars quick facts for today. Um, Today's episode of the Beskar Brothers podcast is sponsored by absolutely no one. So, if you would like to sponsor us, please consider going to our website at bestcarbrothers.com and supporting us. Making a podcast isn't easy, and we appreciate any and all donations. Donors will be mentioned in new episodes of the show and will be able to access premium content when it becomes available. We love doing this and appreciate your listenership. Okay, so Harry, we did not get a ton of um, of responses on our website, bestcarbrothers.com. So if you want to put in a response, make sure to go to bestcarbrothers.com and fill out that survey. Do it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> totally do it. Um, but we did get one response. Yes, we did. Um, and it was a really good response and it ties in perfectly with what we're talking about today with A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And that is Princess Leia. Yeah. Who Princess Leia was. Um, She is the uh, classic damsel in distress with a twist. Yes, indeed. Um, She, to my knowledge, uh, you know, I I wasn't around in the 70s and so, or, or previously, but to my knowledge, Princess Leia was the first character, um, the first quote-unquote damsel in distress First, first, you know, princess locked away, not in a tower, this time in a Death Star. Yeah, um, a lot more scary. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but the first uh, female character who um, didn't really need rescuing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, she obviously needed to be unlocked from her detention cell. Yeah. But after that, she's like, here, give me a blaster. Yeah. Let me shoot this hole in the trash, comp- or the, the trash, shoot yep so we can escape like here let me grab that blaster while you throw up the uh the uh what is it called the thing that they swung from uh anyway yeah anyway um but basically she just she's like hey i'm a part of the team you know i'm the one with military training you know Mm -hmm. she just she took control which yeah, is awesome absolutely um and it's really good to see women you know be on the same side and work together with the men yeah and if you really take a close look at the movie and it's not just in that scene as well it's throughout the entire it's actually throughout the entire time that she has her role in star wars yeah even in the in the prequel tri- trilogy yeah exactly like she really is um, she she is stellar and she is a rock star. Yeah. Um, you know she she knows what she's doing. Um, she, you know when I say she's a boss, like she really acts like a boss. She is so cool and she she just goes she just goes for it. 
Um, and she isn't waiting for a guy to sweep her off her feet. Yeah, you know, very powerful. Exactly. But yeah, so that was the only uh, response, and it was actually from my mom. So <laughs> shout out to mom. Thanks, mom. Um, uh, from anybody on our last week's podcast. So if you want to hear your opinion on the podcast, make sure to go to bestguardbrothers.com and fill out that survey, and we will talk about or we will try to talk about what you said in our next episode. Okay, so into the meat of the podcast. A lot of you already know this story, but if you don't, um, I'm just going to go over it real quick. Um, So it all starts with the galaxy in Civil War. The rebel forces capture plans for this big giant battle station called the Death Star. um, And... Princess Leia has these plans in her ship. However, um, her ship was captured and boarded by the Empire, who was led by Darth Vader, the bad guy. Um, before she was captured, however, she hid these plans um, in a astromech droid whose name was R2-D2. R2-D2 then takes C-3PO, a protocol droid, and travels to a desert planet. These droids were then Uh, captured by Jawas, which were a uh, small species of basically junk traders. And then the Jawas sold R2-D2 and C-3PO to Owen Lars to help them, uh, to help him and his nephew Luke Skywalker around on their farm. And while cleaning the droids, uh, Luke triggers a message meant for an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and this message is from Princess Leia. Um, when talk, when asked about who Obi-Wan Kenobi was, um, Uncle Owen, or Luke's uncle, um, tells him not to worry about it and to get back to work. Um, and then during the night, um, R2-D2, this astromech droid, uh, determined to find this mysterious Obi-Wan, sets off, um... And Luke and C-3PO wake up the next morning to go and find him. When um, Luke and C-3PO find R2-D2, Tusken Raiders, or Sand People, which are a nomadic race known for their brutality, um, attacks Luke and C-3PO, breaking uh, C-3PO into pieces and knocking Luke out. Um, R2-D2 is smart and hides behind some rocks um, and then is able to see kind of what's going on. Um, Then a loud scary noise comes out of nowhere and scares the sand people away. The noise turns out to be Ben Kenobi, a hermit who lives in the hills of the Jundland Wastes, uh, where um, just an area of the planet. Um, He reveals himself to be that same Obi-Wan Kenobi that R2-D2 was looking for. Um, Then Obi-Wan tells Luke who he really is. He tells him that his father was not only a Jedi, which which is a powerful peacekeeping warrior, um, but that his father was actually one of his best friends. Um, And that a rogue Jedi um, named Darth Vader ended up killing him. Um, Obi-Wan then invites Luke um, to help him on his quest to answer the call left 
by Princess Leia, um, which was, you know, the message that um, that that uh, they had looked at beforehand. Um, Luke says no at first, but unfortunately, when he gets home and sees that the Empire has killed his aunt and uncle, realizes that there's nothing left for him on the planet and decides to go with Obi-Wan to answer the call from Princess Leia. Um, They end up hiring a smuggler named Han Solo and his first mate Chewbacca, who is a Wookiee, in order to, um, you know, get passage off of Tatooine and then to Alderaan, the planet where they're headed. But when they get there, um, there's an unusual amount of asteroids. Um, And so if we rewind back to Princess Leia's ship at the beginning of the story, um, when her ship was boarded, Darth Vader ends up taking her into custody aboard the Death Star to be interrogated. But when Darth Vader's interrogation tactics led to no avail, Grand Moff Tarkin, the commander of the Death Star, threatens Princess Leia's homeworld of Alderaan, uh, with total annihilation. The, um, the threat was is that Leia would need to reveal where the Rebels' secret base was, um, or else uh, he would blow up Alderaan, her, her home planet. Um, fearful for her people's lives, she told Grand Moff Tarkin that it was on a distant planet called Dantooine. Tarkin then pulls a power move and destroys Alderaan anyway. So when Han Solo and crew reach this strange asteroid field, um, you know, they unknowingly are flying through the remainder of the planet Alderaan. Then, um, with the Death Star being that close, um, the Death Star catches the Millennium Falcon, Han Solo's ship, in a tractor beam, and then it is basically taken aboard the Death Star. And obviously, uh, they're trapped um, and need to get out, so they devise a plan where Obi-Wan Kenobi locates and disables the tractor beam, um, and so he sets off to do that while um, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker uh, try and you know keep the ship um, safe. Um, however, they are then alerted to the fact that the princess... Um, is in is in custody aboard the Death Star, and so they launch a daring rescue attempt uh, while Obi Wan finds and disables the tractor beam. Um, Darth Vader, at the same time, senses the presence of his old master Obi Wan Kenobi, and then goes out searching for him. And upon finding him, engages in a lightsaber duel with him. Obi Wan gives the rest of the team enough time uh, to board the ship and then ends up sacrificing himself to um, save them, to save them to help, you know, the mission and and get the plans where they need to be. The Millennium Falcon then leaves to the planet Yavin 4, the real location of the Rebel base. Um, There the Death Star plans are analyzed and a weakness is found. There is an exhaust port on the outside of the Death Star that when hit with extreme preciseness, would signal a chain reaction that would blow up the whole thing, the whole Death Star. Unfortunately, the Millennium Falcon had a tracker placed on it before it left, and 
um, that alerted the Empire to where the rebel base was on plan the planet Yavin 4. The, a battle quickly commenced with Luke joining the battle and Han taking his payment and leaving. After several unsuccessful attack runs, Luke was able to use the Force to hit the precise spot to blow up the Death Star with the help of Han Solo coming in clutch um, and returning to help by knocking Darth Vader's fighter out of the way. And then after that, back on Yavin 4, um, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker receive medals for their heroism, and the movie concludes. Okay, so now that you've heard my synopsis of the movie, be it good or bad, <laughs> um, I, I tried my best uh, to to uh, to give you the the synopsis of the movie as quickly and as precisely as I could. So, um, but yeah, so Harry, yeah, what are your thoughts? So with okay, so for you folks listening here, this was the very first Star Wars movie that I saw when I was a kid. Um, my parents had the; uh, it was in a gold case, the original trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah on VHS. Yep, gold with Darth Vader and like black. Yep, yep, exactly. I know what it looks like. Yep, um, I gotta find it too. It's yeah. probably somewhere in my in my parents' garage. But anyway, so. <laughs> A New Hope, um, I, I, I'd say I was about five years old when I first saw it, so that would have been in you know, 1999, 2000. And so I, that was the first glimpse I got of it. Um, I just remember my, my dad re really liked the original trilogy a lot. Right, because so that's probably what he grew up on. Exactly, yeah. My dad was seven years old when A New Hope came into the theater. Goodness. Yeah, it's crazy. But... Um, yeah, like I said, very first film that I saw for Star Wars, and I was just blown away. Yeah. Because, um, well, first of all, when you're five, you're, when you're five years old, you know, you're more interested in like, you know, uh, I don't know what was even on that I watched, like Looney Tunes and and Scooby Doo and yeah, you know, um, SpongeBob and all the you know the cartoon kind of style, you know, when you're that young. But I, I remember this being the very first, like, live action, even though it was sci-fi, you know? Yeah. You know, there were no cartoons in this vid, in this movie, and I was blown not away. Not at that point. Yeah, at least not at that. Exactly. <laughs> they, they added animation later. Exactly. But I was just blown away. I was like, man, this is cool stuff. Yeah. You know, space. Yeah. You know, fighting and, and just, you know, it, I, I just loved it. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite parts, especially when I was a kid... Um, was it was definitely when the lightsaber came for the first time. I was like, "What the frick is this thing?" Yeah, and I, I was hoping those were things were real, you know. <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's your favorite toy ever is a lightsaber. Exactly, dude. But no, I, I when I first watched it, I just remember like my eyes were glued to the TV the entire time, um, and my twin sister wanted to watch I think Rocket Power or something like that instead and I was like, No, let's keep watching this and um I was like, Oh yeah, I'm like we kept watching it and she actually kinda liked it in the end, you know. My sister's not as big a Star Wars fan as I am, but you know, she learned to like enjoy the movies. But is it is it 
sad that I don't remember what Rocket Power was. <laughs> that's kind of a forgotten show, obviously. Yeah. I apologize if that's your favorite show, but uh, I have no idea what that is. And if that's your favorite show, I apologize as well. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a classic, but it was definitely didn't last it's not, long. It doesn't hold the candle to Star Wars, apparently. It definitely does not, but no. And as I've grown up, you know, within the last, you know, because the first time I saw it was over 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I definitely appreciate it. I mean, I feel like when you, if you love Star Wars and you keep watching it, you just appreciate it more and more, don't you think? Yeah, every time you watch it, you see something new and, you know, you get different feelings the different times because you're in different parts of your life and so your your view is on something else um i i just watched it today um and i picked up on different things that i didn't before um i actually saw a video um talking about the original cut of the movie mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that? I have not actually, but so originally, like the Death Star wasn't supposed to be at Yavin Four. Oh, okay. so originally they were just going and going to attack the Death Star. Oh, okay. Um, but in order to add more suspense to the movie, they went and cut uh, cut it so that. They were at Yavin 4. Oh, wow. And so if you watch it again, knowing that, mm-hmm. you can see where they cut and where they added and things like that. And so every time it says, the planet Yavin is going to be in range in three minutes. Yeah. You know, um, that's added footage later on. Mm-hmm, yeah. And any of the dialogue on the Death Star with Tarkin or anybody else mm-hmm. um, is actually like added in as like a, a like a a speaker or a, or a, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like super weird looking at it and right before the death star explodes, you can see Tarkin like with his hands up to his face and and like kind of like scratching his beard or his face where his beard would be had he had one. Mm-hmm. But um and it just like it's just this one little cut that shows Tarkin there on the death star when it explodes Mm -hmm. and it's just these weird things that every time you watch it you you learn something different yeah and you also put yourself in you know some other people's shoes in that movie it's like oh man okay i guess he probably didn't really like that you know but no absolutely man i think one of the big things for me as well because i like I'm not one that watches a Star Wars movie every freaking week, of course, but I still love the movies. Yeah, Harry's not me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I definitely watch each episode at least at least once a year overall. Yeah. Um, and, and Mandalorian, I watch that a yeah. lot still, to be honest. But, um, yeah, you pick up on those things. Um, but you also learn to love different characters throughout the entire time because when I first watched A New Hope, I really loved R2-D2. Everybody does. Oh, yeah. Like, he was the first one I really yeah. liked because he's, you know, boop, 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 you know? <laughs> Do you know originally he was supposed to speak English? Yeah. I thought that was crazy, yeah. you know? And then, and then he just, yeah, they were like, no, he's too rude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just, let's just, you know, have some happy beeps. Yeah, just see you watch some language, you know, <laughs> yeah. young man. <laughs> yeah. And so I loved him when I was, um, you know, 
later on in elementary school and I was like 10 or 11, I really loved Qui-Gon. You know? Yeah. But obviously that was different, not, not in A New Hope, but then I just love certain characters all throughout. Um, and, you know, I love Han Solo, you know? Yeah. And so I'd say, and it's, it's just crazy how like throughout the entire time of me watching, especially New Hope, it just gives me a better idea of like, man, Star Wars is just, it, it's not only is it cool and fun, but um, you learn a lot from it. Mm-hmm. And going back to last week's episode, we talked about how there's over 21,000 characters. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say, you know, you had a, you had a character uh, that was your favorite and that you pulled, you know, inspiration from, um, you know, we have 20, over 21,000 mm-hmm. people that we can do that with. And so different parts of our life, we can take those lessons or that, you know, that specific lesson for that specific character mm-hmm. or one of the lessons from, you know, a bigger character and apply it to our lives. You know, there's been some times where, you know, I like Anakin Skywalker because he, um, you know, during the Clone Wars, he still had these these urges um, yeah. or these these temptations to join the dark side, but he didn't. Yeah. It didn't seem like a problem to him actually. Like people don't understand like, and watch the clone wars if you haven't, but people don't understand how much Anakin Skywalker actually went through before he turned to the dark side. Oh, absolutely. Like he went through a ton of stuff. Like he fought a war um, when he was technically too young to fight. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so like, like the war started when he was still a Padawan mm-hmm. and you know, Padawans are, are young trainees basically. Yeah. And so they're kids. They're, they're basically children, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so he starts fighting in this war and that's basically other than, you know, the nine years of slavery that he was on Tatooine in. Mm-hmm. And then the, however many years of training after that, like five, six years of training after that, other than that, his whole life until he becomes Darth Vader is a war. Yeah, absolutely. And people don't understand that war is trying on anybody, mm-hmm. um, let alone, you know, this this prophecy fulfiller of the Chosen One, who is Anakin Skywalker. You know, he's he's got a lot to on his plate. Yeah, he definitely and watching is. the Clone Wars has really helped me connect with Anakin Skywalker because everybody's got temptations. Everybody's got, you know, the dark side and the light and an ultimate battle, you know, within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And whether we choose one or the other, that is that is the ultimate choice. Mm-hmm. Um but the thing is, is that, and what it shows in Return of the Jedi, is that we can always come back. Exactly. No matter how far we've gone, there's always a redemption story somewhere along the line available to you. Absolutely. And tying it back with the New Hope, and, and well, first of all, that wasn't the original title, right. uh, of the movie. Yeah, it was but, just Star Wars. Exactly. Um, but when the title came out after you know a couple years as a New Hope. Um, you know, for those who have watched, you know, Star Wars A New Hope, uh, it really brings to, you know, understanding that, you know, when there is a, when there is a time needed to, you know, go out and to 
quote unquote save the world or you know to blow you know, up the Death Star. Yeah, blow the Death Star. Save your friends, save your family. You know, there is hope in doing it. You know, it's not impossible. Yeah. And so I think for myself, when I've um, watching it today compared to when I watched it as a kid, I definitely took more of the moral from not just the title alone of A New Hope, but like understanding that, you know, that, like you said, you know, there is hope for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has a way back in some way, yeah. you know. And so um, I personally feel that with, with this movie in particular, it just gives you a great idea of um, possibly who, who are, what is your role um, in, you know, in your life, whether it be within school or within, you know, your church or within your family or within whatever it may be, even in your group of friends, because you might have a group of friends and um, you rely on each other's strengths. You know, you're not all courageous. You're not all humble. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you rely on each other. You maybe think, can think to yourself, because at least for me, I thought to myself when I was a kid, I'm like, how can I be more like Han Solo, you know? Um, Daring, rugged, yep, smug. smug. A little scruffy, arrogant. Scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little arrogant. Right. Um, but also um, very confident. Confident, yeah. And yeah. the thing with Han Solo is he plays the bad guy, but he's not. Exactly. And that was one of my favorite moments of the movie Solo, a Star mm-hmm. Wars story. And we'll talk about that but later. But um, but he basically said – basically, Kira – says look you're not a bad guy mm-hmm. you're the good guy pretending to be a bad guy exactly but yeah so i'm sorry i i interjected in your thoughts so. no no that actually fit perfectly what i was gonna say actually because um like you said you don't know like some people's roles in life like obviously the majority of people in this world want to be good people right and want to help out but you got to utilize your talents in order for you to help other people out in that regard. Yeah. Um, and for, for Han, it was definitely, well, definitely shooting. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely one of them. But also kind of leading the pack. Yeah. But also he learned later on that he wasn't the only one to lead the pack, especially when Leia would help out or even Luke, you know. And yeah. So, when, he, when he found his friends, yep. found his family. Exactly. So another thing with Han Solo is, is when it comes down to the wire, mm-hmm. he makes the right decision. He, he does. Like in this movie, um, like Luke is upset. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he basically tells Han off. Yeah. And says, you know, like that's all you're good for is getting paid and leaving. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, and then Han comes back because he knows what the right decision is. And he is not afraid to make it. Exactly. And so that's, I mean, you know, pulling inspiration as a, as a kid, you know, make sure you make the right decisions when the right decisions come. Exactly. And I think that's really a really good point to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really liked how you said, um, you know, within your group of friends, mm-hmm. you know, find your role. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe there's uh there's like a, a Princess Leia of your friends. Yeah. Or maybe you're the Princess Leia of your friends and you know what needs to be done and you just go and do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um and you don't need no man, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, and then you know, you could be the Luke Skywalker, the guy who um, you know, never really got his chance. 
uh, for most of his life and then, you know, ends up becoming something huge, something that saves the world, you know, yeah, very mighty. Or saves the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's really important to take these stories from Star Wars um, and apply them to our lives. Absolutely. Because uh, any story really mm-hmm. will, can, can, I mean, that's what stories are, right? Yeah. There are ways to apply ourselves to become better and help the world improve. Yeah. To better our lives. Right. Absolutely. And entertainment. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And Star Wars is a great job at both. Right. Um, but no, I got to tell you, um, my favorite part as a kid, Derek, um, Honestly, my favorite part when I was a kid for Star Wars and New Hope, uh, it was a, it was honestly um, when Luke used the Force to destroy. The oh Disney. yeah, yeah. And so I was like, as a kid, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, he's not using his targeting computer. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> you know, as a kid, I don't know. For me, as a kid. I would always pretend like, you know, do the Darth Vader. Oh show, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and if so, something was just out of reach, you just sit, start singing. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so when I was a kid, I was like, "That's so cool!" Right. And I was very disappointed when I thought I couldn't do that. Right. Everybody <laughs> is. I am still to this day when there's something out of reach and I don't want to get up, I will reach and just hope. Yep. Yeah. And- and just hope that you get it. I was like, come on, like, yeah. I'm doing everything that Master Yoda says. <laughs> yeah. It can't be Jim Halpern and having Pam Beasley helping you out and right, right, right and right. Dwight being like, he has the force. Goodness. Yeah. But no, but my favorite part today is still that scene, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, just because when Obi-Wan's voice um, Use the force. Yeah, Luke. use the force, Luke. Um, when he when he did that, like to me. It just brings nostalgia, of course, number one. Right. But number two, because um, Luke didn't need to do that. I mean, he if he didn't do it, there probably would have been worse consequences, or they would have had to find a different method, and it would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah. But the fact that he listened to what a man of wisdom told him to do, yeah, um, that's how I take it now today versus when I was six years old. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was, that was great. He followed through with it, and it was a success, mm-hmm. um, and – it, it brings chills to me, actually. Right. Holy cow. And so, like, to me, that's my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite part, though, dude? It's actually probably just the action sequence right before that. Yeah. I just like it. You know, the trench the trench scene where, you know, they're all going down. And if you think about the, um, what is it called? The, uh, the special effects yeah, yeah. of that trench scene. Yeah. Like that. I, I just think it's awesome. Oh, dude. And in my personal opinion for that, like, if I were this wrong, please correct me, but it was definitely ahead of its time. Yeah. Like, like, not many things, not many, like, special effects in the 70s were able to pull something off like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a ton of, I mean, post-production, even after the movie yeah. came out. And I don't know if if any was actually like for the special edition that came out Mm -hmm. later on. I don't know if any of that was, um, that was changed. Yeah. But like just overall, 
it it was amazing. Oh, like, absolutely. I don't know. I just love Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite character. <laughs> same dude. Just because you know what I said about Anakin Skywalker, kind of same thing. Because you know they're the same person. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, and can I mention something here too? Yeah, there's a donor at my work. He is a huge Star Wars fan, um, and uh, he he was talking to me about it uh, a couple days ago because mm-hmm. he was just wearing he he wore the original Star Wars New Hope. Uh, you know the ones that you see on the post, like the old posters, like yeah. the actual picture. He had that on a T-shirt. And I was like, "Hey, nice, nice shirt, t-shirt, man." And he's like, "Yeah, I've I've had this since the day it came out." Goodness, <laughs> I'm like, "Holy cow!" You know? Um, and I was like, "Dang!" And so we talked about Star Wars and everything yeah. like that. Did you tell him about our podcast? Ah, uh, yes, I did. Good. And so I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, "But and anyway, so as we were as I was talking to him about about it, I was like." Because uh, we were just talking about every Star Wars movie, Mandalorian, Clone Wars, and everything like that. Um, and as we were discussing those things, he was like, "Like, man, th- like he said, I could talk about this all day. Like, you, obviously, right. you and I can." Um, but uh, <clears throat> he said that when he went to go see it uh, the very first time back in the seventies, he said there was nothing else like it. He said there was like Star Trek before, of course, yeah. But like he said, at least in his opinion. This is in fact, it's all opinion, folks. He said that this is like this is the best thing that you could see on the TV screen. That Star Trek was, or that Star Wars? Star was? Wars was. But yeah, that makes sense. Yep, exactly. Star Trek is not as good as Star Wars. Yep, indeed. But he he said like people like that was the talk of everything for the past few months. Even if you hadn't seen it, people knew about it. You know. Yeah. And it, and people who saw it. They weren't just like, eh, it was all right. And they didn't even just like, they loved it. Right. My dad loved Star Wars when he was growing up. Yeah. My mom loved Star Wars. My grandparents loved Star Wars. And that's that's the super cool part of Star Wars is that it's multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, your dad went to Star Wars in 1977 when it came out. Yep. You went to Star Wars in what was it 2001 1999 so whenever whenever phantom menace came out so i actually never saw phantom menace in the theater got it the first one i actually saw in the movie theater just because my parents wanted to make sure that it was okay for me to watch for the first time was revenge of the sith got it yeah but yeah you went to revenge of the sith when you were a kid yeah and you know who knows when you have kids your kids might go to the theater and watch a star wars movie yeah exactly you know, who knows what they're going to do. Yeah, for sure. And so the multi-generational aspect of Star Wars unifies us all together mm-hmm. as a people, as consumers of Star Wars. No, oh, exactly. hundred percent. Because like I said, that, that donor at my work, he's my dad's age. Um, there's another donor at my work. Um, he definitely like... He's, I mean, he's at least in his 60s, <laughs> and he, he likes it a lot. Yeah, um, and then for those of you who don't know, the reason why Harry's saying donor at his work is because he works at a plasma center, mm-hmm. and so the person who is donating is called a donor. So yep. that's why Harry's using that that uh, that that word. Yes, indeed. But yeah, so um, yeah, we've talked a ton about um, Star Wars, but I, I've noticed that we've only been talking about the second half of the movie. 
Yep. And the, it's this weird um, split, almost like there should be a um, a a break in between the two parts. Yeah, like an intermission. Kind Inter- of yeah, idea. an intermission. Um, everybody loves the second part. And not everybody loves the first part, mm-hmm. which I think is fine. Like you like what you like, yeah. But I mean, obviously, there's more action in the second part, and it's kind of a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons why there was that first cut mm-hmm. of Star Wars, is because there was actually more in the first half than yeah, there was in the, the second, second half. half. Yeah, um, and it just was way too slow. Um, and you know, I'm glad that it was cut. Yeah, because you know, I th- I think the big perk though, just from that first half, it was a, in my personal opinion, it was a great introduction to the characters. Yeah, a great introduction to the characters and a great introduction to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. You know where where they were, and also to Darth Vader to see who he was. I mean, that very first scene was him coming aboard. And choking out the captain of the ship. Exactly. And, you know, telling them that he wants the plans now. Exactly. But, yeah. And so, um, kind of in closing, um, we just want to invite you, obviously, to watch the movie again, if you haven't, with these thoughts in mind. Okay, so, Harry, out of 10, um, go ahead and give me your rating of Star Wars A New Hope. Man, um... My overall rating for Star Wars A New Hope, episode four there, it's between a nine and a nine and a half, to be honest. 9.25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Yeah, sure. 9.25. 9.25. Awesome. Yeah. The reason with that being is because um, not only was it because, I mean, the first Star Wars movie I saw and I loved it, fell in love with it as a kid, still holds its ground. But watching it as, you know, as a 26-year-old man, and I still love the story, and I still find a lot of great things about it. And honestly, the the acting, you know, it was pretty good. Um, for the story, like the story was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The story writing was absolutely phenomenal, um, and just character creation was just great. So yeah, yeah. Don't tell Alec Guinness that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, uh, overall rating is actually going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, my overall rating is going to be an 8.5. Okay. Eight and a half. Um, yeah. So eight and a half. I think it was a great story. I love this movie to death, but I had to watch it in two parts Mm -hmm. because like, and I hate to say this for a star Wars movie, but I almost fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And so I had to pause, get up and do something, and then sit down and watch it. Um, like, it feels horrible of me to say this, but that's that's just what I did. And so um, it, it, it didn't grab my attention the whole time. Yeah. And that's just this time. This is, That's just this rewatch, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've watched it all the way through and just been glued before. Yeah. And, and, you know, but, like, it's hilarious. When I see everybody in the cockpit, it just takes me back to that first introduction to star wars Mm -hmm. um and you know like i said last week um it was dubbed in mandarin chinese yeah (laughs) and so that's what i think every time i see you know obi-wan luke han and chewbacca in the millennium falcon i think yeah that was in chinese (laughs) um and so yeah nothing 
the Chinese has nothing to do with my my rating. Just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> like, you but, know. But it has nothing to do with that eight, that eight and a half that I'm giving. It. But you know, it it's nostalgic, and so that's why it's as high as it is. Um, but for this rewatch, I'm gonna get a give it an eight. All right, yeah, that's fair, dude. Thank you once again for listening to today's episode of the Best Guard Brothers Podcast. Yeah, we appreciate your listenership and hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Once again, please visit bestguardbrothers.com and fill out that survey to tell us what you liked and what you didn't like from today's episode. Also, while you're there, consider supporting the podcast by donating to help us make more episodes and to produce better content. Yep, and thank you once again for tuning in, and may the Force be with you always.